So parents, kids, what do you call it when you have a child or you are a child and you get whisked off to the doctors because you have fallen and you have broken a bone or you have popped out a tooth or you're in need of some sort of medical condition, the child does not want to go but the parent says we're going anyway. When Caleb was about three years old, uh, we had this experience. Uh, he was wearing Noah's big cowboy boots, who was three years older than him. He was wearing all his clothes backwards, parents not watching. Uh, anyway, uh, Noah's outside in the backyard trying to pull big brother and a friend in a wagon. And Caleb somehow lets go of the handle, falls back and conks his head on a cement block. And he's crying like he's hurt. So Leslie and I go running out there and I pick him up and I start consoling him. And he's not stopping. He just keeps crying. And then all of a sudden I start to feel this warm stuff dripping on my hand. And I realize the back of his head is split wide open and he needs surgery. Or not surgery, he needs stitches. And so we like immediately said, hey, take care of Noah. We took him up to the doctors. And I had to do one of the hardest things that I've ever done with a three-year-old kid. The doctor told me to lay on the bed. And he says, I want you to hold on to your son. Or wrap your arms around his arms for dear life. And I had to. Uh, and, and someone else had to hold his head. And someone else had to hold his feet. That was a difficult thing. Because, I mean, a three-year-old Caleb was as pretty active and pretty strong, but it's hard because Caleb, he doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't understand that if without these stitches, I'm going to keep bleeding. Without these people doing what they're doing, they're never going to get the stitches in that's going to help me. He doesn't understand, what is my dad doing? Because I never treated him like that before. We would wrestle around, but never to the point where I'm holding on to him like I'm never going to let go. It was tough on me as a dad because I had never done that to him. How is this going to scar my kid? How is, he going, how is he going to understand that I'm trying to do what is best for him? I found out that my dad did the same thing to me when I was a kid. He had to hold my head so I could get stitches by my eye. The only good thing that really came out of it was the ice cream that we got after. But what do you call what I did? What do you call that? Uh, what do you call it when you have a precious little son or daughter and all you little sons and daughters that put your parents in these kind of situations where they say, you know what, Josh or Noah or Caleb, if you do this again, and I'm not going to pull out any real stories, if you do this again, you're not going to get to go do whatever it is that you wanted to do. You're not going to get to go skating or spend the night at a friend's. Um, and that little boy or that little girl pushes your button one more time. And you as a parent say, okay. Noah, okay, Caleb, you're not going to get to go spend the night. You're not going to get to take that toy from the store. You're not going to get that movie. What do you call that? It's tough on that kid because they're like, please give me one more chance. I want another chance, Dad. And Mom and Dad, it's tough on you because you love your kids. You want them to be happy, but they push the limits. And so what do you call that? Tristan thinks he knows. What do you call it? Okay. That's a one-word definition. I got a two-word definition for you. Parents, what do you call it when your, uh, your young son or daughter comes back from college with their live-in significant other? And they come to your door, and they would like to spend the weekend at your house. And you tell them, no, you cannot do that in my house. What do you call that? That's, that's tough, right? Because it's tough on your kids because all of a sudden they're ashamed and they're embarrassed and they are 
surprised. Why can't you just accept me for the way I am? Why can't you accept the decisions that me and sweetie have made together? It's hard on the parents because you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, if I turn my kid away, they may never come back. They may never want me to be part of their life, and so it's tough. What do you call that? All three of those examples you call the exact same thing. Tough love. Thank you, Sharon. It's exactly what you call it. You call it tough love. And those are difficult situations for the, the, the kid who's getting in trouble or doesn't get to do something. It's tough for the parent who has to administer these words to their kids. So why do we do that? Why, do, why don't we just take the easy road? Why don't we just keep our mouth shut and say, okay, Noah, you can have one more try. Okay, I'm not going to say anything about my kids who shouldn't be sharing this room together because they're adults, they can make their own decision. Why don't we just do that? It's because we're in a position where we need to say something. We need to show tough love. True, true love is tough. It's willing to tell somebody what they need to hear. The funny examples are, uh, how many people here have ever said, had someone tell you that you have something in your teeth? Right? And that's really embarrassing to say, you know what, Tegan, I'm just really sorry that you got something in your teeth. As a kid, it's not so bad. But I've seen adults, and it's like, do you say something, do you not? And that's like a simple little example, but love does what's difficult. And so parents, especially you fathers today, I want to challenge you, as I have to challenge myself, is to be willing to show tough love. And we're going to see today that this is the kind of love that God shows us. But we're going to look at that God shows us tough love, which, as Tristan has already pointed out, is discipline, but also why he does that. So let's pray again, and let's ask God uh, for a little more blessing on his word. God, I do thank you for your word. God, you are a God of justice. You are a God of love, a God of compassion. And I just pray that, please, you would just uh, help us to understand that you are a God who's going to show us tough love because that's what we need. If we're not going to learn the lessons when they're easy, that it's, we're going to learn them when it's hard. So I just, again, ask that you'd speak through me and give me your words to say. Give us all the ears to hear from your ears or from your words what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the first thing we see is that God does show tough love. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13, but we're not going to start at verse 1. We're going to start at verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 5, we're going to read through verse 10a. It says, And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, as we heard in Proverbs, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Verse 7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. For, For what son... For God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. Okay, so... First of all, God, God shows tough love. Now, a lot of people in the world today have this, this wrong, mixed-up view about God that he's this big, bearded guy up in the sky, and that he's just waiting for the opportunity to zap you for doing something wrong, and he gets a kick out of, there's a punishment, and there's a punishment, 
and there's a punishment, and you're getting what you deserve. And I, I know a lot of people in God's shoes would do that kind of thing. But we find out there's something a little bit different about God. We find out how much God, in fact, loves us. In Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated that love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A God who's waiting to zap you for doing something wrong is not going to be the God who says, I'm going to pay for that, that sin that I'm going to zap you for. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins because God loves you. Uh, Matthew 5, verses 45 to 46, he says, He causes his son to rise on the righteous and or the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Yesterday, it poured down buckets of rain. There was not a pocket in Plevna where it did not rain because somebody did not believe in God. When the sun shines, it's not, you, don't, you don't get this dark spot. God says, I love everybody. I'm going to prove it by sending my son. I'm going to prove it in simple, everyday ways where the sun's going to shine on everybody. The rain is going to fall on everybody because that's something that everybody needs. So God is not just a God who's waiting to zap you. God is a God who loves you. But he's a God who's going to show tough love. He, God is like a father. He does not like to see his children suffer. He does not want us to face the punishment that we really deserve. He, he gives us warning signs. He, gave, he puts people in our lives in order to help us to know what to avoid. But God is going to discipline people if they are not going to walk in the way that they're supposed to do. God's tough love, as Tristan said, is discipline. It's training. Uh, it's educating a child. When a, when a little child is born, it comes out of the womb, it knows absolutely nothing except for I cry and it's, stuff starts happening. You know, I start to get food or I start to get picked up or I start to get my, my diaper changed or something, but they don't know anything. You, you bring a new kid into your house, it's the same thing. You have to train them. They don't know. And so uh, God says, I'm going to train you. I'm going to help you to know what is right and what is wrong. He's going to help discipline us, correct us if we're going down the right path, so that we will go along the right, uh, he'll discipline us if we're going down the wrong path, so that we will turn around and go on the right path. So I have three different ways in which God might discipline you. And let me tell you, as I, as I would try to tell every kid, is, you know, usually when you get punished the first time for something, it's pretty light. And if you're stubborn and you're hard-headed, it starts to get worse. And it starts to get worse until finally you get it through your thick skull. I am not supposed to behave this way. So your, God disciplines us. It might be in a form of a rebuke where he's exposing us to our sins. He's showing us that we are guilty. Uh, he does that in a number of ways. One is by reading of his word. When I read in the Bible, I can look and see, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, uh, love my wife as I love myself. Right? There's all sorts of things that I can look and see. I don't do this. Yes, I need to do this just by reading what is in the scriptures. That's a very gentle rebuke. It's kind of like just me and God. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine or for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. It's a gentle rebuke. God can use his word. Easiest way, right? I just read it for myself and then I change my life accordingly. God might get a little bit tougher. He might use somebody else, your brother and sister in Christ, who might come to you and say, you know what, Josh? This is not the way that you need to have handled that situation. The, 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 uh, the way you're gossiping about somebody, the way you're handling the situation, Josh, is not okay. 
Anybody ever experienced something like that? I have. I was in Awana. I was an Awana leader. I was probably like 16 years old, and I had like this 10-year-old boy come up and tell me that I was, and he was right, but I'm an honorary, stubborn 16-year-old kid, and he came up and told me, you know what, I don't think that you handled the Awana class correctly. Like, I was too short-tempered and, and whatever it was. And of course, I was short-tempered right then. You better believe it to this scrawny kid that's rebuking me. But I had to go later on and apologize. But God can use somebody coming into your life to say, hey, Josh, this is not really okay. You find out in the story of David and, and the second Samuel where he had an affair with Bathsheba. And he got away with it, and life is going on for a while, just fine. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Nathan comes and talks to David and says, he gave him this open rebuke. He gives him this picture of, of two guys with sheep and how one guy had all these sheep and one guy only had one sheep and how a guy took with all the sheep took the single sheep to sacrifice it or to offer it to a friend for something to eat. And uh, Nathan said, that's a picture of you. You have all these wives, pretty much, and this guy had one, and you took her, and so he got this open rebuke. And that's, not, that's tough to handle. But God says, hey, I gave it to you in, your wor- in the word that you have to read. You didn't read it. I'm going to use some other way to teach you this. Uh, somebody comes and rebukes you for it. That's, going to be a, that's the second way. Or it might just be the natural consequences for your sin. You guys remember I told you I was speeding, right? What's the natural consequences? If you get caught, it's a ticket, unless you happen to be from Baker, and I hear that you can get pulled over there and you don't get tickets. But on the way to Baker, if you get pulled over by the Miles City guy, you get a ticket. That's a natural consequence. I think of uh, my son Caleb, who I love to death, is, uh, on Friday was jumping off the stairs here. And you see him today, it didn't look like anything. It looked like we were a bunch of liars. But he jumped off that thing and hurt his ankle. Guess what that's called? A natural consequence. And so that could be the, the, the punishment you get for your sin is a natural consequence. Or it could be the same as David where uh, his son died. His, his, him, when he and Bathsheba had the affair, they, they got pregnant. She had a son. And because they had done it that way, God says your son is going to die. And so that could be a punishment that you are going to receive. But God is going to do something in order to get your attention. He's, if you are a child of his, he's going to let you know that you are not living your life the, the way you should uh, be living it. Um, God's, God shows tough love to his children. You know, how many times have you seen kids running down the aisles of the store? Or you've seen kids back-talking their parents, and you would love to grab this kid by the ear. Or you'd love to swat this kid. You'd love to do something to make this kid listen. But you just stand there, and you just watch because... It's not your kid. You know, you don't go out and discipline someone else's kid. At Awana, we, we put the kid in, like you're not playing games or something, but that's usually so much you can do. When, when it's not my kid, I just keep my hands off and wish the parents luck because they're, they're not doing a good job, but I don't touch them. But it, when God shows tough love to his children and it happens to be you, be encouraged because God is counting you as his own child. Verse 5 and nine, it says, and you've forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Uh, that it's, it's you're a, son, a child of his, he's going to discipline. He's not going to let you get away with it. And because God loves you, and because God disciplines you, I want you to think of these words. Verse nine, 
It says, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to our fathers of our, uh, and live, our heavenly father? When my dad punished me, I did not like it. But I learned very quickly, there are certain things you don't say to your dad. There are certain, there are certain times where you get home immediately when you're supposed to. There are certain things that you don't do, and I respected him for it. I didn't like it, but I said, okay, I understand how it goes. The same thing needs to be for our Heavenly Father. We get a little discipline from God. We shouldn't say, well, I'm going to try to avoid and figure out some way to do this. We should say, okay, God loves me. He's treating me as a son. I know I would obey my earthly dad if he was down here sit telling me this right now. I need to obey my Heavenly Father as well. But God doesn't just punish us for kicks and grins. He's got a reason for this. Uh, God's purpose for tough love, te- uh, chapter 12, verses 10b and 11. It says, But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline is for your good that you may share in his holiness. God's goal is for you to become holy and righteous just like he is. 1 Peter 1 verses 15 and 16 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. What does God want from you? God wants you to be... Thank you. God wants you to be holy. That's his goal. That's his purpose is to make you to be like him, to be holy as he is holy. God commands it. God demonstrates this. God lives this out. This is exactly what we should be doing. He also wants us to have a harvest of righteousness. You know, the effort or the effect of discipline is to train somebody to make them righteous, to make them do what's the right thing, to know the right choices to make, but to actually go out and make them so that we can have the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You want those things. You need to have those things. But if you are not here, uh, heeding the correction of our Heavenly Father in Heaven, you will not have that. You will not be showing this fruit of righteousness. But also, you can have peace. You know, how many times have we uh, have kids... Uh, been in fear, like if you, if you know that you're supposed to be home at 10 o'clock and you get home at 10.30 at night, have you ever been afraid that your, your sin will find you out? You know, your parents tell you don't eat a cookie before dinner and then all of a sudden my parents starts counting the cookies and they can figure out that, whoops, I, I ate a cookie. Those are kind of silly examples, but if you're doing the wrong thing, you always have this fear that it will find you out. But you can have peace if you say, okay, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not going to do this. What do you have to worry about? Nothing. I tell my kid to clean his room, and he cleans his room. Nothing to fear about. When I start walking down the hall, and he starts going, no, Dad, stop, stop. All of a sudden, he's got something to worry about because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. You can't have peace if you just obey your Heavenly Father in Heaven. But if you don't, you have much much cause for alarm. We looked at it in Luke a couple weeks ago how God is going to come back at some point, whether you're ready or not. If you're doing what you're supposed to be, yes, it will be a surprise, but you're okay with that. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be, it'll be a surprise, and all you have to look forward to is is fear, right? You don't have this excitement to see the Father if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. 
Now, how many people love to experience tough love? Nobody's raising their hand. Why not? It's uncomfortable, right? I don't want to experience tough love, and I, I have experienced tough love. It's, it's not something I look forward to. So, if you would like to avoid tough love, I'd like to encourage you to, to pay attention here. Uh, chap, uh, chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, and also verses 1 through 4. It says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And then the familiar verses of chapter 12, verses 1 through 4 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 4 says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I want to avoid uh, tough love from my Heavenly Father. The first thing i got to do is I, in verses 12 and 13 is to get up and try again. I know it's easy to be discouraged. It's easy to, to become downhearted when you get rebuked, when you get disciplined, when someone tells you, look, you're not doing the right thing. It's easy to give up and say, I'm not trying anymore. You got to get up and you got to try again. Because if you stay there on the ground whipped from, from doing this, you're not obviously going to be doing the right thing. And you are going to get some kind of rebuke or encouragement to get back up. It says, make level paths for your feet. Get rid of anything that's going to cause you to invite yourselves uh, the discipline again. Because God loves you. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to say, oh, well, I tried. He's going to keep disciplining you until you become the way that he wants you to be. Verses 1 says, get rid of any hindrances. Now, that's a really tough and painful thing to do because most things we have in our life, we have them there because we like them. But in Matthew chapter tw uh, 5, verses 29, says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. That sounds very, very painful. I have, if my eye causes me to sin, get rid of it, which obviously is not poking out my eye and, and getting rid of it, but it's talking about being willing to go to that extent to keep sin out of your life. That might mean your friend, you've got to cut that person out of your life because you get together, you start gossiping, you start getting into all sorts of trouble. God's going to discipline you for that. It's your job to get that out of your life. It might be the TV whatever channels that you watch. It might be a book series that you read, because those can be just as bad as a TV. It might be your hobbies that you are involved in. It's, and it's not a temporary thing. It's not like, okay, I think I got this whip for a while, and then I can come back to it. No, your eye, you poke that thing out, it's gone. You're not going to put it back in, in three weeks and say, okay, I think I'm okay. It's getting rid of it forever. Get rid of the, the hindrances in your life that are going to cause you to sin. If you want to avoid tough love, because God loves you, he's going to treat you like a son. My kids, if, if I know they're doing something wrong, I will come down on them, I will come down on them, I will come down on them. I'm not going to throw up my hands and say, okay, unless it's something like that doesn't really matter. But if it's something that's clearly right or wrong, I'm going to do it and do it and do it. The punishment's going to get worse and worse and worse until finally they understand I'm not supposed to do this. When they move out on their own, they're free men. They do whatever they want but they still have God who's going to be their Heavenly Father who's going to hold them accountable.
The second thing, so get rid of the, the hindrances. The second thing is fix your eyes on Jesus. If I keep my eyes focused on Jesus, I'm not going to want to do those, those things that's going to cause me discipline. As soon as I get my eyes off of Jesus, I start focusing on what everybody else is doing. I start focusing on the pleasures and the things of this life. Then it's going to be really hard to, to make my... Um, it's going to be really hard to be looking at my father and even considering what he thinks about it because I'm so distracted by what this world has to offer. I can, uh, so I need to get rid of the, the hindrances. That's going to help me a whole lot. I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. And then when the temptations still come, because they will still come, I have to resist them. Is it a sin to be tempted? No. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's what do I do with that temptation that could lead me into sin. You have to be willing to say that two-letter word over and over and over. No, no, no. I'm not going to give in to this. You know, fathers and mothers have, have done this throughout the ages. They have loved their kids. They have disciplined them because it's what's best for their kid. They want their kid to be a good human in society. They don't want little Johnny, forgive me for saying Johnny, it's just a common name, who stole as a first grader to say, oh, it's not that big a deal because he grows up and then it's a car and then it's breaking into the bank. It's like nipping these things in the bud. And I would encourage you, your parents have trained you right to do the right thing and you've learned from it to now remember that God's going to do the same thing. Let them nip it in the bud when it's early because it's only going to get less or it's going to get worse as time goes on. Parents show tough love to their kids. They, if they love them, they truly will. God truly loves you, so he's going to show tough love to you. And so I encourage you, be willing to receive that tough love and to change as you need to, because God's always going to do it. So you, and, and choose to avoid it now. You know how the steps to take to avoid it, but don't be discouraged. Don't give up because you're receiving a rebuke from somebody or from the, or from the Lord. Just be willing to say, okay, God says this is what is better. This is what I'm going to do. Remember, God is accepting you as his son, so be encouraged. God loves you, and God will discipline you if you're not living your life the way that you're supposed to. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, you are a holy God who loves us, who cares about us, beyond what we can understand or imagine. God, I know sometimes you're going to have to show us tough love because we just don't get it or we just don't care. And God, I pray that you'd help us to get it. I pray that you'd help us to care so that you can show gentle, easy love for us. It doesn't have to be rebuking. It doesn't have to be uh, hard to dish out or hard to receive. God, I just pray for everybody here, including myself, that you would help us to have a greater desire to want to love you and to serve you with all the days we have left. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.